Is fear something that you face every single day? You're listening to Halfway There, episode number 292, Amy Debrick and Conquering Fear. show where we have honest conversations with ordinary Christians about uh, today's Christian experience. I'm your host, Eric Evans. Thanks for joining me. I'm so glad you're here. This episode, I know, is going to help you, especially if you, like me, I've been reflecting on this this morning, uh, have sometimes been limited by fear, right? I know that we're going to have that great conversation about that. Uh, friends, if you want to support the show, you enjoy it, there's two things that you can do. You can always go to Halfway There podcast.com hit that patreon button and support the show financially that helps so much and thank you to those of you who are faithful uh, givers there also uh, you can always take this episode you're in the podcast app hit that little share button send it to a friend text it share it on social tag me i'd love that that helps get the word out a lot i know some of you've been doing it because uh, I've seen, we've had more listeners lately. So thank you for that as well. Our guest today, she is a wife, a mama four, a cancer survivor, the co-author of Embolden. We'll talk about that. I'm sure she's also the founder of life, the life on purpose movement and the host of the life on purpose podcast, where she encourages women to live on purpose instead of in fear. There it is. Our guest today is Amy, uh, Debrec Amy, did I get it close? Ah, oh, I knew I was close. Okay, good. Well, say it for me again. Debrick. I see. I knew I was I was getting that wrong, but it had been too long. Okay, our our guest is Amy Debrick. Amy, welcome to Halfway There. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here. I am excited that you're here and uh, that we made the connection. We've just been chatting, and I just I know you've got a lot to say, and I can't wait to hear more about your story. Obviously, I gave the broad strokes. Give me a little more about kind of who you are and. Um, you know, where God has you right now. Mm. Well, like you said, I'm, um, I'm a wife. I'm a mom to four kids. They're kind of getting out. I've got three out of the four out. It's crazy. Uh, it's a total different stage in our life. Right. Um, but, uh, things are busy. Um, and really I kind of started this whole, um, life on purpose movement and all of that after a cancer diagnosis, which I'm sure we'll go into a little bit later, but you know, my whole journey is to really let people know men and women that fear is normal because it is a normal reaction emotion. We all feel, but courage can get the final say. And so that's kind of been my mission for the last, uh, you know, six years is really kind of trying to hammer that home and, and helping people get past the fear and the worry. Cause there's a lot of it right now. Right. I mean, we live in a world that's scary. And, uh, most of the time. And so it's nice to be able to lean on something than our own understanding. For Absolutely. Sure. I don't think that's ever been more true than the last couple of years. Right. It feels like yeah. everything's out of control. There's and there's nothing we can do about it. We just have to accept kind of what's happening. And yet we have to find that place of trust in the Lord, uh, right. as we're, as we're going as well. So that's a great saying fear is real, but courage can get the final say. I love that. Very good. All right. Well, let's dive into your story just a little bit. Let's go back. So, uh, where, where'd you grow up and what was that? What was your family like? So I grew up in central New York. Um, All right. I'm still here. So 
I say that most most other states are um, welcoming spring. We're still not sure if we're in winter. We had a, a storm a week ago, but there's no snow at the moment. So I, we're doing good today. Um, but I grew up actually in a Catholic church. Um, you know, we were always a family of believers. Um, so I never had that where it was like um, I we never went to church and we didn't have that experience. But um, when I was Oh gosh, let's see. How old am I now? I was about 34 and um, maybe even a little bit before that, maybe I was closer to 30. We ended up changing churches. I was the last in, if, if anybody, if are there any listeners out there, if you're familiar at all with um, people typically are in the Catholic faith, which I have nothing against, that was my whole upbringing, but I was the last in my family to leave. Typically it's, it's not very common to, to leave a Catholic church. Like that's just your faith all the way out. And, um, but when my parents left, which is unheard of, right. Um, then I was, I, and my, and my other siblings actually had married, um, more Protestant. Uh, so they were more non-denominational churches and, um, mm-hmm. uh, different, you know, Protestant type churches. So once my parents left and started doing that, I was like, I was, it was on the back of my mind. I was thinking about it. I, but I still had this overwhelming feeling like betrayal of, of leaving, even though everybody else had moved on and, and, and had relationships in, with their church in different ways. And so, um, it was really a matter of, uh, my kids were little, 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 and we had a girl come to the house to babysit. Normally I had a family member, like my, my mom or somebody. And, um, and the whole, and, time when she was there, when we were kind of giving her the rundown, okay, this is what they can have. This is what they can't have bedtime and the whole nine yards. She was uh, excitedly coming from an event she had at her youth group at church and she was all hyped up and she was all Mm. excited. And in the whole dinner, when my husband and I were out, we were like, who is that excited about going to church at that age? You know, it was like (laughs) junior high and all we could think of was our own experience. And so anyway, all that to say, we left the church and, and moved to a different church, uh, uh, more Protestant based. Um, we thought, and you'll get a kick out of this, I'm sure, as other listeners, for our kids. We, ha- we already knew what we needed to know, but we were going to have our kids maybe have a little bit more engaged and an experience where they maybe had a different relationship and more excitement and um, you know, getting to know the Bible and all of that great stuff. Well, as you would imagine, when we went, um, we didn't realize how much we didn't know. So um, as much as we thought we were just doing it for the kids, obviously it was a little spotlight God was shining on both of us that we needed to be here as well. So that's yeah. kind of where it kind of started and shifted. Well, that's very interesting. So I love the interplay of different traditions because we get different things from each of them. So sure. what's one thing that you got from kind of a Roman Catholic upbringing, like what was that experience like and and what kind of endures for you? One of the things that I still love um, that I don't necessarily get as much because there's no more pews, right? When you're in a church, you're sitting in, you know, uh, different type of seats and you're not kneeling, but I do love the posturing of getting on my knees to pray. And so that's one thing that I continue to do. I think for me, it just makes it more real. I I feel like I'm more humbled in that way. Mm -hmm. So I do really still appreciate that. And there's other traditions 
for sure. Um, and other ones that I, I didn't carry on, but that for sure is a big one for me. Yeah. Well, that's really interesting. So I agree with you. That's a thing. So I grew up in the evangelical church, like the whole, you know, whole nine yards. Mm-hmm. And we have a very, um, it's a, it's a tough relationship with our bodies, right? <laughs> I'll just put it that right. way, right? Right. Like uh, almost to the point that I would say we're almost Gnostic, which is sort of influence. It's a long story influenced by Plato, but very kind of bodies are bad. Spiritual is good. Right. Like we wouldn't say right. that, but we kind of act that way. And so right. for me, like discovering something like that or places where I can go to be you know, more embodied in my faith expressions were really good, but you kind of had that, that's, that was kind of normal, which is a kind of a normal thing for in the Roman Catholic church. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, definitely. Fascinating. Definitely. See, I think that's really good. It's one of my big complaints about evangelicalism. I don't have to preach today, though. That's okay. So, uh, so, so you find, so you found. I love the way that you two, you did that also, and it often is the kids, right? When we go, we're like, you're like, okay, I got to find something for these guys. And sure. There's some passion there that you hadn't seen before, perhaps felt. So, how did that come, and what'd you get from your maybe more evangelical or Protestant uh, experiences? Well, for me, and and again you know, I still have friends that are Catholic. And so I never want to speak to an actual like faith of, okay, just because I wasn't doing something right. Because anybody in any faith can be reading the Bible, right. And, And getting a more personal relationship with Christ and the whole nine yards. Was I doing that in the Catholic church? I was not. And so I was the show up on Sunday and, um, in, in check all those boxes, but I didn't, really understand until we moved to, um, you know, to this Calvary church that what it really meant to have a personal relationship. And it's interesting because, you know, I had heard that and it just seemed like, okay, but I really didn't know what that meant. Did that mean just going to church on Sunday? That's what it was for me. But this really, um, catapulted my growth for sure, because then we were reading every week scripture, like out of the Bible that we weren't just doing the regular traditional ceremony, which we were doing in the Catholic church. And I think because like I'm saying, I wasn't doing anything outside of that. So that tradition, those traditional things are great. But if you, if I wasn't doing that other piece of reading on my own and actually, you know, forming and establishing a relationship, a personal one with Christ on my own, it wasn't, nothing was really sinking. And so once I saw how that all played out and married so well together, then it was kind of like one of those things I always say, you know, you don't know what you don't know, but then when you do, it was like, oh, like I just couldn't go back. Then I just knew that I needed to be where I was. Mm. Yeah. So you had some more personal experiences. It sounds like for you as well, which is, I find that really interesting because I think uh, I often I've heard the story before people grew up in the Roman Catholic church. They've got this very corporate view of the, of it. Whereas us evangelicals or people grew up in evangelicalism, we have a very individualistic view, right? But there's something that we can learn from both. Like, so often you'll see people migrate in other, in those opposite directions because they're searching for something that was already missing. So did you, was it, was it just, uh, or not just, I don't want to say that, but was it, um, it sounds like you got into scripture. Was that kind of a, and something that you gain from, from the shift? Learning scripture. Is that what yeah. you said? Yeah. Learning. Scripture. Yeah, oh, definitely. Because I mean, I, 
you know, and, and again, this is just goes back to the traditional things, which I love. I, I love the fact that I have certain prayers that I, I know or, or, or whatever, but I didn't have a lot of scripture memorization. I had prayer memorization, but I didn't really have mm-hmm. any scripture verse memorization. So there, there is a distinct difference. And so um, that was one of the biggest things that I, I realized that um, it was nice to have, especially when you're going through trying times is to have not just a prayer to fall back on, but actually what is God saying here? Um, and how can I have that kind of as a, an immediate recall, as opposed to um, just leaving it up to myself to figure out? Right, right, which is good. Do you remember a, a certain moment where you realized that or where it kind of became especially meaningful to you? Well, I think when, um, you know, when I first start, when we first started going, I, I definitely could start seeing the the shift and the change in both of us in, in really wanting to grow. Like we, we were, we knew we were kind of in the thick of something here. It was, it was kind of an interesting uh, dynamic. You know, like I said, we didn't think we needed to go or we didn't think we were going to be learning. We thought it was for our kids, but um, yeah, definitely. I think once we really started going and hearing and having somebody talking to us in more of a relatable way, you know, pastors are normally married and doesn't matter if it's a man or woman, but when somebody can kind of more relate to your life, it just felt more connected. And, um, and then it just kind of prompted, I think my husband and I both to want to dig a little bit deeper because then there was another added connection. It's like, okay, they, they get what we're coming from. You know what I mean? He's coming in and he's talking about his morning with his kids and how crazy it was getting here. And okay. So there's already kind of an, an understanding of he, he gets it. And so that, I think that's kind of a like, no trust. And then when you trust somebody, what they're saying and, and um, feel like there's a connection there, then you trust everything that they're saying. Not that, that having said that, yeah, yeah, we need to do our own work, right? We can't just blindly be going and, and you know what I'm saying here, listening to what everybody's saying and hang, hanging on their word, but that prompted us to want to have our own relationship want to read the Bible, want to know more ourselves based off of that relationship he was putting out there every week. Yeah. So did your faith become your own in a different way? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I don't know that my faith ever really was my own before that. Oh, I think I was, I was, I call it kind of like an immature faith. I think even in my adulthood, I was still hanging on my parents' faith from when I was younger. I was still just checking the boxes. I was just doing what I was raised to do, but I wasn't doing it because I really understood why I was doing it or how important it was for my eternal salvation. Yeah. So how'd that change? I think just the more I grew, right. Okay. The more I, I got into the word and, and, and understood it, you know, it's a very complicated book, but you know, it's a really good book. And um, the more I just kept learning the more I kept wanting to learn. And so I think it just developed naturally that way. Yeah. I love that. Uh, okay. So from there, then, um, I know, I know you said that, you know, later on you began to, um, really take out, take your relationship with, with the Lord a lot more seriously. So what precipitated that? And was it, was it maybe I was asked about the dark night of the soul. So this is me going back to Catholic, right? So John of the cross, uh, and pulling that in, but was it, was it an event like that or was there something else? I think the turning point, like real turning point for me, I was always 
even when we started going to the different church and in my faith was growing, I still was the driver of my faith. I was still in the driver's seat. I was not necessarily taking God out of the equation, but I wasn't letting him totally take over my life. I was still wanting to be the one in control. And so it wasn't until I was turned 40 and I had a cancer diagnosis. So that was 11 years ago um, that I really surrendered it all and said, you know what? You can, you know, I'm going to do what I can. And then I'm going to let you take over the rest. And I think it was in that moment um, that I really kind of understood and really developed that deeper trust. And really, he is the one who's ultimately in control. And I had to be, I had to reconcile with the fact that, okay, I need to be okay with that. Even though I'm a capable, Mm -hmm. you know, adult and I I can do many things, um, it is not my job to be controlling every situation um, and living in fear because of that. And that's what happened. You know, I had a, two major tragedies in my mid twenties. And, uh, up until that diagnosis, I still, even with my faith growing, right. I still had a lot of anxiety and fear because I, I mm. was trying to take care of it just on my own. Yeah. Which is interesting, right? So you mentioned the word surrender earlier, and I think that's true, especially when we have these moments when we're young and we try to the, the natural response is to try to, re- to control things, right? We try to control the, the, our environment. We try to control the outcomes, which we just can't, <laughs> unfortunately. And then to have something like cancer come into your life, even though, you know, nobody's going to wish for that. Like you, that's something you can't control, right? So you, so right. you experience that. Where was God for you during that, that season? Um, when I, after the diagnosis and it, and it sounds, it's not, it doesn't mean to sound flippant, but I, and I, I always say, you know, obviously nobody ever prays for a cancer diagnosis. Right. But that's not to say that I don't think I needed it. It was kind of my wake up call because I was kind of riding, you know, and the middle of the road here, I was hugging both lanes, um, not really committing still, even with my growing faith to letting him really, uh, take over in his, in his importance. And so for me, it it ultimately was a gift. And that really was the shift on, um, recognizing his worth, my worth in him, instead of, um, worrying about everything else that could go wrong, because the, the truth was my biggest fear had, you know, had full mm-hmm. circled, you know, your own mortality. So what do you do with that? Well, I could have continued on worrying. I had been worrying for 15 years um, or not. And so I chose the or not. Yeah. Was there a moment when you chose that? It, there was. I, I remember coming home after getting the diagnosis and I, it was funny because I, you know, I've always heard people say, oh, you know, God spoken to me and blah, blah, blah. And I, I had never had that experience ever. And, uh, probably because my voice was louder than his many times. But, um, I remember just in that moment coming home after getting diagnosed and hearing that, hearing a voice kind of just to say, you know, are you finally going to trust me? Wow. And so it was really kind of then where it was just like, you know, yes. And just, you know, on my knees and, and just take it. Yeah. 
which those are really interesting experiences, aren't they? When you, when you have that and you just have that sense of God's presence and he, he yeah. says something like that to you. I love that. Uh, really great. Okay. So where'd you go from there? Cause you eventually started writing and, and sharing some of your story. So I, um, so it's funny now to my, my closest friends and family, because I could not have been more, and I am still a very private person, but it is totally out of my nature, Eric, to share <laughs> shortcomings or uh, pain points or anything like that struggles. That was part of my struggle as well. Pride for sure. That was something that needed to be laid down when I surrendered. Um, in the sense that if I could help one, just one person, um, like you were praying earlier before we started this podcast, you know, I, I had to be mindful of the one and, you know, I was that one person. So why wouldn't I want to do that for somebody else that might be struggling the same way I am? And, um, and so that's really what kind of started life on purpose, you know, for years when I had a lot of anxiety and fear, I was someone who just went through the motion. I was kind of on that hamster wheel. Um, I went on to have four more kids and all of that after my oldest son died, that was one of our tragedies, but I, you know, it was kind of just a matter of getting through each day. And, um, I wasn't really living like on purpose. I wasn't present. I was just moving constantly in my mind, my body, everything. And so the diagnosis was like a, somebody just put on the brakes and, um, it was really eye opening for me. And so that's why I wanted to really allow somebody else to hear my story and start sharing these things. And then like you're doing, I wanted to bring other people on and share their stories because, you know, everybody's story relates to somebody in a different way. You know, my story may relate to one person, one, one of your listeners, and your story is going to relate to a different listener of mine. And so that's the beauty I think of being able to share, but um, it took some humbling for sure to get there, Eric. Yeah. Well, it does. Okay. Is it all right? So that, I mean, that's a pretty big thing to to say you lost a child and that's, that's, that's horrible. Is it all right if I dive into that for just a second? Absolutely. From, from a spiritual perspective, because sure. those are the kind of events that absolutely cause us to question God. So mm-hmm. and the way you described your relationship with him was sort of, okay, he's there and we follow, but maybe not close. How did you respond in your relationship with God at that, at that time? You know, I never surprisingly, um, rejected him. I never was angry at God. Hmm. I didn't understand it. Um, my son's death, of course, that's what I'm referring to, but I, but I, I was never mad at God. I I don't know why I, I can't tell you why. Um, but having said that, I also wasn't leaning into God. Mm. So, you know, I had that going against me for sure. Yeah. Which makes me wonder about the conclusions you drew. Cause we always do that, right? We, we, we realize, you know, we form a belief. And so I'm wondering if you yeah. believed like, okay, I don't understand this. Um, God's not going to stop bad things or God right. is not there for me, or like, was there a belief under that, that you kind of carried into your, you know, into your life? When I look back and reflect on that time, for sure, I always know, I, I recognize his presence now then. Right. 
But at the time I was completely unaware of it. And I think, like I said, it's because I was so trying to fix it myself and control it. And I did all the things that you do when you are going through grief and anxiety. I went to counseling. I, I took medication. I, whatever the, you know, needed to be done. I did it. I just didn't lean on God. I wasn't recognizing or, or bringing him into the equation. I was responsible for fixing it. It was about me. And I wasn't even considering that he could help in any way. Right. Right. Which, yeah, pardon me for saying it this way, maybe, but that's not like a person who has a relationship with them. That's not what they do. Right. Like, or the, right. like uh, the faith means that we lean, we lean into him, which is what we right. get from scripture. So yeah, you were like, okay, I'm going to, then I apparently I have to take care of it myself. And so I'm going to go, I'm going to go do that. Until, yeah. until you had those moments later when you're like, okay. So then draw that line for me between deciding that whether it was conscious or not and kind of having that feeling that God was not useful. Let's put it that way, right? Mm-hmm. To, to, okay, now it's me and I have to surrender somehow. Yeah. Well, I think the line was really in that surrendering moment. After yeah. my diagnosis, that was really the line. I, I had two boxes. I had my whole life and then I had God and I didn't realize that they were so disconnected. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why I think I never was angry with God or I never was like, well, I'm not going to believe in God now because my son died. I, I never had that because I, I never had the, the two together. I just always had them like separate, like, okay, well, I'm responsible for all of this. And then there's God that, you know, I believe in. Yeah. So it was, there was such a disjunct there before. And, um, you know, you don't necessarily always see it when you're in it. Right. But that's why I say, you know, that was the gift um, of the cancer diagnosis was being able to connect all the dots and live and experience the relationship in an entirely different way. Yeah. So I'm pressing into that a little bit because I think you're not alone, right? I think our listeners are friends you might be in that situation. I think it's fascinating that you didn't get angry because I think that's what I would have done. Uh, sure. But that might also be the difference between men and women. I don't know. Maybe just you're more mature than me. But uh, but that's like, a, I think we all have these kind of reactions and uh, we have to deal with it somewhere, right? We have to somehow God gets our attention. I'm not saying that's why he gave you, why you got cancer, but some, right. somewhere God will show up and ask us to to pay attention to what he's actually doing and his presence and our need for him in our lives. And we can't do it all on our own, whether we'd like to or not. Yeah. Right. Interesting. Okay. So you started, you started life on purpose. Uh, Was it, was it, did it come out of that season of your life? So life on purpose came out probably about five years after that. Um, where I really kind of started um, writing again. You know, I had written years ago, but I, I didn't really know what to do with it. And then, um, so Life on Purpose really started about five years after just me starting to write and then really kind of getting the confidence enough to um, put my words out there. You know, how mm. that's that's fearful in and of itself, right? Is to put your heart out there, be completely, 
completely vulnerable, something that was so out of my wheelhouse. And then wonder where your words are in, in the abyss. Like, are people rejecting this? Are they shocked by this? Are they disappointed? Like, you just don't know what they're, you know? And so I had to get over myself. Um, cause I really felt like God was laying that on my heart to do that, mm. to really try to just be that voice for maybe the other introvert out there. Like I was. And, um, and so that's really kind of where that began. And then it just, from there, life on purpose ended up moving into more, I did more podcasting first. It was the writing, mm. then it was the podcasting. And then, um, wrote a book with my oldest daughter, um, which wasn't planning on that. I had a completely other manuscript ready. And, um, but he was like, oh, I think you might need to do this instead. And, um, and so then, you know, we have a confidence course. There's lots of things where it now life on purpose has moved into, um, but it's all for, and I try to be very intentional about this is it's all for the one, because I just don't know who that one is. And I need to be able to make sure that I'm reaching him or her in some way, whether it's podcasting, whether it's my writing, whether it's a course, whether it's a book, um, and just know that they're not alone. Yeah. Yeah. And so I know that one of the things that you talk about uh, there, so the whole idea of life on purpose, right, is we can get stuck in these kind of ways of being, right? And we kind of, yeah. whether it's, and you know, rhythms are good. Rhythms are, are important. Uh, but we can get, they can also be a little bit of a, of a, of a shackle in some ways. And so yeah. we need to sometimes shake out of those. It sounds like you had to get out of your fear of your words. I was just writing about that this morning. Like there's, it was so much for me in 2015 to start podcasting, right. To just start, start yeah. asking people questions and recording it. That, that was hard. So how do you help people overcome those kinds of fears and, and, you know, what, what would you say to somebody who's right now looking at the world going, how do I put my voice out there? How do I, how do I break out of this and become this other person I think God is asking me to be? Right. Well, I think the first thing I always say is to really get to the root of your fear. I think sometimes we can almost become like Charlie Brown. I always say where, you know, it's the fear it becomes the fear of everything, right? When we let it kind of snowball into that. And so really get to the root of peel all the layers back. And what is the real problem here that you're, is it rejection? You know, like you're saying, you know, when, you, when we're, when we're putting out our own story, especially, and we're being very vulnerable about it, it, it is scary. It is a scary place to be. My advice to that always is, you know, embrace those awkward and uncomfortable moments because it does get easier. So if you can just brave through it in a matter of obedience, if you look at it in, uh, in the sense of it's more of an obedience issue, like, you know, if somebody told you to do this, if it was your parent who told you to do this and, you know, it's awkward and you feel, you know, whatever, but you know, it's the right thing to do and it's good for you, you would do it. Right. And so yep. that's how I encourage people do it as an act of obedience, even when it feels awkward and uncomfortable. Yes. Okay. I'm going to tell this story. I just put this on Facebook today because I told you I was at Social Media Marketing World. I ran yeah. into Pat Flynn. Do you know Pat Flynn? No. I, well, he's he's he calls himself the internet crash test dummy. A lot of people love him. He's so good. I met him in 2015 and uh, or 2016. 
And I took a really awkward selfie. <laughs> it was right before he went on stage. It was so awkward. This guy kind of pushed me in his direction. And oh man, it was, I, I remember going, oh geez, what, what was I doing there? But last week I met him at a, a different bar <laughs> in San Diego uh, at this hotel where the, everybody was staying. And uh, I, I had a chance to say hi. I talked to him like we were like we were buddies right and i mentioned mm-hmm. that event and he remembered it and he was like oh yeah i remember that that was kind of weird and i said well can we take a can we take a like a not awkward selfie he's like sure so i posted those two on facebook today uh those two pictures because the one is exactly what you're saying at the beginning it was i was just taking steps of obedience to start a podcast right mm-hmm. just i think i need to do this i think i need to yeah. share these stories and the and just to notice the the change, like the difference in the confidence that right. comes in that is just so huge. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the more you do it, right? I mean, when I first started doing it, I was like, <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, I mean, your 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 heart's pounding a hundred miles a minute. But then of course, like with everything, the more we do it, the more comfortable we get, the more we see all the grace that the the person is that we're interviewing um, gives us all the, the life lessons we're getting from this person. You know, we're, we're putting something out there, but I I get so many gains from the people that I'm interviewing um, every time, every single time. It's always incredible to me what I learn in these moments when we're doing a back and forth. And so it does become easier and it, and it is so worth it. And if you can get past words like platform and, Mm -hmm. you know, followers and likes and all of that, which, you know, is hard and and it's important and I get it, but if you could always just go back to the one, right. That's they have to be worth it every time you hit record. Yep. I love that. Uh, you mentioned getting to the root of your fear. How do you do that? Like what's, what's, how do you know what is actually underneath all those layers? Well, I think it's a matter of just taking some intentional time, you know, for, uh, for the amount of time that we take on scrolling through everybody else's lives on social media. And I mean, listen, I've done that too many times (laughs) to count. We could take that same time and really sit with ourselves, which is hard and kind of start peeling back those layers. Okay. So here's my five big fears that are standing out, but what is that? Is there, is there a person behind that? Is it a prior experience from childhood that maybe I was rejected in a certain way that was behind that? What is that coming from? Where is that coming from or who? And then really kind of doubling down on it. And I think that, I think it is possible for sure, but I think it's just a matter of taking that pause for ourselves that we are not in a place today to do. We are so busy And the thought of doing something like that as a, you know, normally when you think of having any kind of downtime, you're not necessarily wanting to dig up that kind of stuff up. Right. But I think it's really important for sure. Yeah. It can be uncomfortable. Again, we're back to that, but it's very, very vital. Is this why you wrote a journal? You created a journal? Yes. Yes. So my oldest daughter, she was about a sophomore in college. I had already written another manuscript that I was getting ready to pitch out. And um, we were just having a lot of conversations just about insecurities and fears that are, you know, very common in early 20s, late teens, early 20s. And um, I thought, gosh, I just felt like it was something God was laying on my heart. And so I was trying to, 
always trying to look up different resources. I was going to send her at college and I just couldn't find what I was looking for. I just couldn't find that. It was either a Bible study or it was a devotion. And I'm like, well, mm-hmm. you know, I really kind of wanted something in between that to really kind of address these fears and um, get them to either do some intentional work independently or in a group if you're that, you know, personality or whatever. And so that's why we created Embolden. And it's just like a four week reflection journal. And uh, we talk about fearless and temptation and growth. And so we, we just go through the whole gamut and it's, we wanted it to be where if you were Christian, like to begin with, this maybe is going to ignite a little fire in you to dig a little bit deeper. And if you weren't a Christian at all, picking it up, maybe you, it would give you the tools and the spark to maybe want to know more, um, without having you, you know, a lot of times young adults are, feel disqualified when they don't feel like they're at that certain level, right? Oh, I don't, I don't know all this scripture. I, I, oh, I could never sign up for this group or, or that group. And so it was kind of one of those. Also, I felt like, um, a first step for people to be able to feel like, okay, you know, this is, this is good. I mean, I'm giving some scripture there. And like I said, we also give verses and work to do. If you are that seasoned Christian to do a little bit more, but we wanted to make sure it reached everybody. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Friends, I don't know what you're getting out of this, but here's the thing. So many of us live lives of, well, who said it? Quiet desperation. I forget who said that, right? But we but we're we're even even as believers, when the kingdom of God is more available than you know. This is what Jesus came to preach, came to share, came to give. So what if you just spent that time with God and said, Hey, how how are you wanting the kingdom of God to show up in my life today? How am I bringing the kingdom of God to bear upon the people around me, upon the issue that I'm most passionate about, upon the world? How might the world be different? What if we gave up all those other power plays where I'm not going to talk about politics. I'm just going to allude to it, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And what if we gave up all that stuff instead tried to bring the kingdom of God to bear upon the world? I think that would be amazing. I think it would be a whole different scenario. Um, and there's a, yeah, there's more there, but I, I love it. Um, all right, Amy, thank you so much for sharing some of your story with us. Just a little, a little bit there. I love what you're, what you're all about. Um, is there anything, well, first of all, tell us, tell us where people can find you. I've got links to your website and, uh, the book at halfwaythereadpodcast.com, but where can people connect with you if they want to? Sure. They can go to my website at amydebrick.com. I know that sounds daunting, but if you can't, <laughs> if you can't remember the spelling, which you probably won't, you can also um, Google surrenderyourfear.com. That's easier. It'll go right to my website. Um, I actually have had, I just actually, we're going to be launching a new uh, confidence course in uh, the end of May, early June. Um, but I still do have some coach, a few coaching slots open, um, for confidence, um, that I've been doing and, um, and you can get the book on there. You can get the book also wherever books are sold. There's free resources. Um, so definitely sign up and, um, you know, there's podcast episodes, all of it's right there. Yeah. Perfect. And of course, friends, as always at halfway there podcast.com, I've got both of those linked up for you. So you can go, so if you can't, oh, great. if you don't know how to spell Debrick, it's okay. It's all right. Uh, but I love that. Uh, what was it? Surrender your fear. Surrenderyourfear.com. That's yep. a great domain. Good job. All right. Well, thanks for being here. Is there anything you want to leave us with Amy? 
No, you know, just, um, I, I was, we were talking about this earlier. This is a, a line that I, I have on all of my stuff. If you, when you go to my website and one that I use often in my writing, and that is just to remember, number one, you're not alone. God sees you and he's with you, but also that fear is normal, right? We get, we also don't want to be shamed into thinking like, oh, well, I can't shake this fear. There's something wrong with me. No, fear is normal, but courage gets the final say. And I think the courage comes from the obedience um, of living in Christ. So I want to just leave you with that. Absolutely. You were made to do great things, my friends. Let's go do it. Thanks a lot for being here, Amy. Thank you so much.